Hello, welcome to this BMJ podcast about well-being. Today we're going to talk about how to cope with COVID fatigue. I'm Abby Rimmer, careers editor at the BMJ with an interest in doctors' well-being. And I'm Kat Chatfield, a trained GP with an interest in quality and patient safety. Abby and I co-lead the BMJ's campaign on well-being, which is a major concern for healthcare professionals and everyone else during this pandemic. We've been in lockdown for over six weeks now. As well as the huge change to everybody's personal lives, the change to professional life in healthcare has been even greater. We'll be speaking to someone whose job it is to coach doctors in coping with difficult and traumatic circumstances such as these. So Abby, lockdown fatigue, are you feeling it? Oh my God, I am feeling so much COVID fatigue. I know that one of the reasons we're talking to um, Caroline this morning is an opinion piece that she's written for the BMJ. And in that she talks about homeworking and how difficult it is when you don't have those kind of little breaks where you speak to colleagues having a cup, you know, making a cup of coffee or just moving from room to room. And I have to be honest, I'm really feeling it. Are you feeling it, Kat? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for me, it's more about parenting is the big issue for me because I feel like I'm always on all the time, um, whether it's kind of schoolwork during the day or then meal prep or then, you know, being a, a safe place to cuddle in the middle of the night. I feel like it's it's 24-7 all the time. Um, and then my escape from that is to go and do work, which is obviously coronavirus focused constantly. So it's just a really different kind of pace of life, um, which is, is quite challenging, but it must be nothing compared what it's like working on the front line when you're you know faced with coronavirus patients or uh, patients who are unwell with other things you know every minute and every hour of the day Um, and then going home either to not be with your family because you're isolating from them or, or to be with them but but to be on there and you know no I think one of but I think one of the interesting things that um hopefully Caroline will talk about is you know not feeling guilty that you're not on the front line and recognizing that you know, as you are like working from home and looking after your children and trying to school them and all that extra work, that is just as valuable and just as tiring and fatiguing and kind of to make sure that you appreciate that because it must be, I mean, I don't have kids and I think it must be so hard to do all of this and parent on top of that. So I'm sure um, Caroline will be able to talk about that and maybe tips for, because there must be doctors who are working from home are also dealing with that absolutely I know colleagues who are who are working from home and um, doing remote consulting and dealing with childcare at the same time which is definitely a challenge um, and I think one of the other things that I've heard reflected back is um, you know the feeling of exposing colleagues you know um, having to kind of arrange a home visit for a patient and feeling that you know you've put your colleague at risk even though it was clinically necessary uh, and people struggling with those kind of emotions um, and I think probably for many healthcare workers it's just the fatigue of having to make decisions on the fly all the time uh, because I think we're in sort of unprecedented situations where there isn't a guideline um, or if there is a guidelines it's up, updating and changing all the time so you're having to kind of put a lot of um intellectual energy into the kind of care you're providing nothing is routine anymore even you know arranging a a pill check for somebody isn't routine because you have to think about well you know how are they going to get their blood pressure checked who's going to do it how can we do it in a way that keeps the patient safe and doesn't expose a healthcare professional unnecessarily so I think this kind of lack of anything being automatic just it's kind of a huge mental drain and that must build up over over the weeks as well as the kind of emotional effort involved. 
Well, let me welcome onto the podcast someone who has extensive experience of talking to doctors on these themes. Um, my name's Dr Caroline Walker. Uh, I am an NHS-based psychiatrist and therapist, and I specialise in the well-being of doctors. And we're speaking to you today because you've written a really lovely opinion piece, along with Dr Claire Gerarda, about COVID fatigue. Now, I think I'm feeling COVID fatigue, but maybe we can kick off with you kind of talking us through what it is. I think that article actually came out yesterday, didn't it, on the BMJ blog, has really hit a nerve with a lot of people. And I wrote it with Claire Gerarda, and both Claire and I have been feeling a bit of COVID fatigue as well. So I just really want to start by normalising that this is something affecting a lot of doctors out there at the moment and other healthcare professionals. Um, So essentially... Uh, COVID fatigue is a kind of exhaustion and uh, a slight feeling of sort of flatness, demoralisation that we're all kind of feeling at this stage. You know, we've been really starting to feel like, oh, my goodness, you know, this is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And we're tired, essentially. Yeah, so that's what COVID fatigue is. And, And I know it's not a very helpful analogy, but it feels to me like, you know, if you're kind of got an exam or something coming up and you you can cram for it and you can kind of up your energy level and kind of pull those late nights and you know really push yourself to your limits but you can only do it for a really short period of time um and if you sort of get that timing wrong you're just going to absolutely crash when all that adrenaline runs out uh and I feel like you know we don't know when the exam date is (laughs) we don't know how long we're going to have to be on for um and when we're going to be able to kind of take a step back and and just breathe yeah absolutely i think it's actually a really great analogy um because you know we've had this real sense of pulling together towards a shared goal and there was a lot of talk about the peak and i think in a lot of our minds just unconsciously there was this idea that one day we would hit that peak and then it would all get easier and actually that hasn't happened there's been a real anti-climax you know the peak has been a little bit lower than we thought it's going to go on for longer than we thought and there may be other peaks to come so it's are really, really tough. And, and you're absolutely right. We can, as human beings, kind of up our game, up our energy levels, up what we're doing for a short period of time. Um, and depending on how much we're working, how fast we're working, how hard we're pushing our bodies and our minds, that period of time will, will differ. So if you're really going for it, absolutely top pelt, you can probably only last a week or two. Um, but I think what a lot of us have been doing is kind of going at a much at an increased rate. Um, but it's hit about the sort of five, six week mark, just as we announced that lockdown was going to continue just as the peak had sort of come and passed and there was that anti-climax, all of these things came together in the UK here. And I think it's left us all feeling a bit really flat, really drained and just like, oh my goodness, how are we going to keep going for the long term? And you mentioned that the shared goal, Caroline, which I think is, you know, is so focused around the peak. What do you think the shared goal is now? I think it's going to differ for different people. And I think that's going to be a real challenge for the next few months and the year ahead, actually, because in this first part, it was like we all kind of marshaled our energies in one direction. And now I think those directions are going to start to split off a bit. So I think those who are helping doctors in training are going to be really focused on trying to get them back on track. Um, those in the wellbeing space are still going to be really focused on helping, you know, the workforce wellbeing going forward. Um, and there'll be other people in other areas just focusing on their different priorities and and I think there's a lot of um, focus at the moment 
what's going to happen now that when people start coming back in to see their family doctor um you know what sort of problems will have been left unsol unsorted out that you know those sorts of difficulties so i think everyone's going to have different priorities now moving forward and that's going to be a real challenge because we won't have that sense of everyone being on the same exactly the same path yeah absolutely it feels like the health service has been kind of a one condition service for a while and now we can have to go back and deal with you know all the kind of yeah multi-morbidity yeah when actually we know that there's over a million nhs face-to-face -face, um normally in normal times mm. interactions every day and the um the number of patients affected by covid although it's a large number and each one of those is a person and it's super, really really important and we're all connected to wanting to keep that number down there's also all those other millions of people out there with the other health conditions that need need the nhs just as much as they ever did you know those having heart attacks strokes those with cancer symptoms and um, those with disabilities or additional needs or yeah Caroline, in your opinion piece, you talk about obviously the COVID fatigue that people on the front line are likely to be feeling because, you know, of the environment they're working in. But the part that really resonated with me is the kind of fatigue that people who are working from home might now be feeling. And it actually made me feel a bit better about feeling that fatigue because, you know, often you think, well, I'm just sitting in front of a desk and it should be OK. Um, and I thought that was a really nice point. So it'd be interesting to hear you talk a bit about how doctors in different environments might be feeling this fatigue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've had lots and lots of feedback and comment on that part of the piece, actually, because I think it really hit home for a lot of people who are working from home. No breaks, right, in between meetings. And there's no, all of those natural things that we took for granted before that we didn't even notice were there, the sort of little chat in the corridor or the, the five minute break between meetings when you walk between rooms, you know, they're just not there at the moment. So, yeah, I've been hearing from doctors who are working sort of you know, 10, 12 hours a day sitting in one place doing, you know, call after call after call. And it's extraordinarily draining and very isolating. And I thought the point you made in your piece, Caroline, about boundaries was, was really important because, as you just mentioned, you know, um, the commute, OK, was tiring, but it provides a boundary and a transition between home and work. Um, and it's really hard to kind of maintain those boundaries when you when your home is your workplace. Um, and I spoke to a colleague who was remote consulting from home and, and that colleague had been, you know, logging on at six o'clock in the morning to try and kind of get a jump on the work, but was then still going at, at seven o'clock at night. And I think the, the sort of quality of the care that they were providing, not to mention the impacts on, on themselves was, you know, um, I literally had to sort of have words with them and say, you know, it's like, when is the realistic time for you to log on to your work? Yeah. So normally our working lives provide those boundaries for us a bit, don't they? It's like when you walk in the door, then you start work. Um, and until then, you're kind of mentally off. And we just don't have that at the moment. You know, for a lot of people, they're feeling like they wake up. And even as they're walking to go and brush their teeth, they're thinking about, you know, that first jet job of the day or or maybe even texting somebody because they've left the phone by their bed, you know, and um, those boundaries just aren't there and we have to work hard to put them into place. So I'm, I'm suggesting to a lot of doctors at the moment, you know, if you're working from home, if you're in charge of your day, do um, put in breaks between meetings, put in a start time and an end time, put in some boundaries around what you're going to look at in the evenings and at the weekends um, because it's so easy with the technology we've got these days which is amazing and it's keeping us connected at a time when we're all in lockdown and separate they're very well designed these little you know bits of kit these these um, smartphones and these tablets to to kind of keep us sucked in and to keep us constantly interacting with them so we have to get in control again and say no actually I'm gonna you know I'm gonna only look at my work messages during these hours really really important. 
if you can actually just keep your work within a quite a defined limited time you're much more likely to be focused and effective and productive and we know this from countless studies in the workplace around across all industries you know that breaks are so so important so taking a break even if you've got work to do. And I think that's the most important thing for doctors because we find that very, very hard. If we think that there's a patient email, a letter that needs writing or a patient that needs seeing, or it's like we find it very hard to then go, well, I'm going to go off and have a break. You mentioned about the question of um, being, if you're in charge of your day, um, and a lot of this can differ according to the sort of leadership that you're experiencing. So do you have any advice to people who are being pressurised not to take breaks? It's a really tough one, isn't it? Because especially in um, healthcare professions, we tend to look to those more senior to us for our permission for what to do. Um, so I would perhaps, if you're not getting the message you need from those above you, if they're not being supportive, then get that message somewhere else. Get it from your peers, get it from your colleagues. Go and jump on Twitter and just say, hey, I'm not being allowed my breaks. And we will, you know, there'll be a storm of people who are going to help you and support you to do that. Because I think a lot of people now are catching on. To this idea that you know we're not uh, we're not machines. Yeah, it can be hard, can't it? Because it feels like if you take a break, the work will mount up, and actually, it feels more sensible just to be on all the time. But I'm sure having a break is actually much better for you. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially all about pacing at this stage. So really important to start thinking about when are your days off? When are you going to take your annual leave? Again, it might seem really strange in the middle of a global pandemic to be thinking about taking holiday, but it's really important because this isn't just a few weeks. This is going to go on for months, potentially years, you know, the ongoing impact of all of this. And we just don't know how long it's going to go on for. So really important you start to plan in and to be working at sort of somewhere between 60 to 80 percent because we need a little bit of extra wiggle room at the moment you know doctors are used to doing working really effectively and efficiently in full out at 100 percent but at the moment there's a lot more extra stuff going on to cope with so we almost need to be working that little bit less give ourselves a bit of room just to kind of help contain all of that extra stuff that's going on in our lives around us and in our work it's really nice to hear you say that because I've been talking to colleagues who work at the BMJ about how we feel like we're not as productive as we normally are, even though we're trying to do even more work than usual. And then there's that guilt around like, why can't I concentrate as much as I normally would? And why can't I get all these things done? When we get traumatised as human beings, we get an acute stress response an acute trauma response so we feel more on edge we can't sleep as well we're more um, preoccupied we can't think as clearly we're perhaps getting nightmares we're we may be reaching for those things that aren't so healthy a bit more like the alcohol and the drugs and things like that um and as doctors we tend to be doers so we throw ourselves into our work and we try and work harder the problem is as we do that we just get less and less efficient and so like you say you end up you're trying to do more you're trying to help more you're trying to work more but you end up less effective so the idea it feels really weird is to do less because when you start to do less you then work more efficiently you then actually get more done and it, it can feel really strange but it's really amazing when you when it and it works that's brilliant. I love that message. Do do less. I guess it's it's not do less. It's do less, but but better, isn't it? You know, quality quality, not quantity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because we we all want to help. 
We all really want to help, don't we? We desperately want to do as much as we can to help in the fight against COVID and to help our colleagues and to, to do everything we possibly can with our skills and our resources to, to pull together and to yeah to do amazing things and to come through this as well as we all can. And so there's a really strong drive, as I say, to do more. But actually, we have to just get the balance right. Because if we go too far, if we put, if we press down on the accelerator pedal for too long, too fast, then the whole car stops working. Yeah, and I, I love your piece, um, Caroline, when you describe it as kind of a marathon, not a sprint. Um, <clears throat> and I feel like I keep um, thinking about parenting today. But, you know, when you have a, a newborn baby, um, especially as a, as a mum, it's easy to kind of um, make that sort of everything and to completely subsume yourself um in the service of this small human um and that's fine for maybe six weeks maybe eight weeks it's maybe fine not to have any sleep and and you know to be you know providing care all the time um but it but it doesn't last um and you have to ask for help and you have to take breaks and you have to allow yourself you know not to be as good as you might think you should be (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a really great metaphor actually, and 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 for some of you out there, I know struggling with both an, a global pandemic and a newborn baby at the same time, it's absolutely hell for leather. Um, it's and it is unsustainable essentially. So I think COVID fatigue is hitting in now because we've all been doing that now for a f- six to eight weeks, and it's you know it's just too much. All our bodies and brains quite naturally. It's quite normal. Don't panic if you're feeling this fatigue. It will lift with time. It's not going to be a quick fix. I think a lot of doctors are thinking, oh, well, I'll just take a day off or just take the weekend off and then I'll be back to normal. And they go back in the next week and they're like, oh, my God, I'm still exhausted. I can't. Why can't I? Why don't I feel as motivated as I did last week? Yeah, I think we're all just a bit fed up of COVID now, aren't we? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of us just wish there'd be something else on the news, something else to talk about. Yeah. Just don't ever want to hear the word PPE or Don and Doff and COVID and pandemic and exponential and all these things ever again. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, and you mentioned, um, you talked a lot about taking breaks, which is really, really helpful. But do you have any other suggestions for things that people can do to um, help, I guess, recharge? Yeah. So I think now is a really good time to start thinking about folding in the fun again because again it's the what it's the first thing to go isn't it when something like this comes along you you know you drop the things that you don't have to do and you focus on the things you have to and that's absolutely right and that's okay but I think now is the time to start thinking okay what what did I used to do with my time what did I used to enjoy and you might not immediately want to do it it might feel a bit weird but just starting to do it anyway will start to kind of re-engage that part of your brain and your heart and your soul that that enjoys those things again so you know it might be you um I've just bought myself a lego set for the first time which I'm really enjoying building um it might be um yeah another kind of hobby or or doing a pub quiz online with your friends or just giving yourself permission for life to become a little bit more enjoyable again I think it's really important because that's kind of just all been on hold, hasn't it? And now's the time to start bringing those things back in. doesn't matter what you do, just something that you genuinely enjoy. Because, you know, it's, you know we, we run on meaning. You know, it's important to us. And, and being involved in something really serious and really meaningful life and death, stuff like the COVID pandemic, is is really, really important. But we also need the lighter side, you know, we need that balance so now I would start to think about bringing that in I'd also um 
perhaps think about uh, introducing a tiny little ritual around the end of your day. Um, so something like um, there's a, a three minute ritual you can do where you take three deep breaths and then you list the things that have been hard in your day and the things that have gone well. And then ask yourself, what do I need right now? So it's three minutes, three deep breaths and three questions. What was hard? What went well? And what do I need right now? And just listen to the answer to that. It might be you need a drink, you might need a break, you might need a bath, you might need a hug. You know, whatever the answer, it's okay. So Caroline, everyone is feeling COVID fatigue and, you know, feeling actually really drained and really tired. I mean, hopefully for most of us, it will kind of resolve itself when we do eventually get out of this. But is there any concern that this, for some people, could become a, a more serious issue? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's important to remember that um, most of us, the vast majority of us, this will resolve with time, with time and rest. And as things get back to normal and we kind of get into our daily routines, our new normal daily routines. Um, But there will be a few people where it's more persistent or more severe. So where it's really interfering with their day to day life. So they can't get out of bed or they can't go to work or they can't care for their children or And I think at that point, it's really important if that's you in, say, six to eight weeks time, if you're still really struggling with this overwhelming fatigue, really important to go and talk to somebody, a professional like your GP, for example, or if you're a doctor, come to practitioner health program um, for free and confidential support, because actually it could be a number of things going on. So there could be an underlying uh, physical health condition going on that's been just happened to have come at the same time, something like anemia or a a vitamin deficiency. There could be a mental health problem going on, like a depression or something like a chronic fatigue type symptom setting in. And, and, you know, we are dealing with a virus here. So we'd yet to know what the what the longer term impact is going to be for those who've had the virus as well. It's very common to get a post viral fatigue. So I think in this first sort of few weeks, it's kind of normal and I I wouldn't worry too much if you're feeling exhausted it will probably ease off for most of us but if it's not if it's getting worse if it's more severe if you can't do your day-to-day activities then do get in touch with professional help to kind of try and work out if there might be something else going on. Well that was really interesting I really liked Caroline's point about not working harder but kind of working more sensibly so maybe doing less work but doing it better because I think at the moment we're all feeling like we should be working extra hard and filling in all hours of our days I thought that was a really good point yeah absolutely and I know um someone at work posted something around you're not working at home during a crisis it's a crisis and you're at home trying to work and I don't think we kind of we're all giving ourselves enough credit for the kind of unique challenge that we're facing. Um, Whatever kind of type of work you're doing, whatever um, healthcare you're delivering or or other services. And I think we do need to be kinder to ourselves and and say it's okay to slow down and um, work smarter, not harder. I think I might take away that that her advice on the, the three steps at the end of the day, you know, maybe to help you, because it is difficult. I think if you work and live in the same environment to, as we said earlier, to kind of separate those two things. So I think that might be a really nice thing to try to kind of create that boundary. Definitely a sense of actually being off. That's really important. Well, I think that's all we've got time for today. So thank you so much to our brilliant guest, Caroline Walker. 
Check us out on social media. We're at BMJ underscore latest on Twitter, or you can join our BMJ Wellbeing group on Facebook. We'd love to hear your ideas of what we should cover in the future. And if you're looking for a similar listen, you can check out Deep Breath In, a podcast from the BMJ all about life and work in general practice. It's available in the same place that you found this podcast. Until next time, it's goodbye from us. Bye. Bye. Bye.